0: for all those up Swindon fans but you're not there yet in it goes oh it's gone in Brick left footed it volley it's the stuff of champions it's the stuff of dreams! and donate races it on goal and donate Murray could be in, mistake from Tompkins, what a goal from Glenn Murray, he's hardly had a touch. On he'll go, Michael Smith, into what shot. At! Hello and welcome to episode... 84 of Together, a Brighton Herve Albion podcast. My name is Josh, and we are here to discuss the Manchester United game, uh, a couple of things before the Manchester United game, and a look ahead to uh, the big one on Saturday of Norwich away. Um, so prior to today, uh, the well, or rather yesterday if you're listening, so prior to the Manchester United game, um, the Carlsberg Premier League restarts had continued. Um, Without any involvement from us at all. Uh, Since we last spoke, um, which was the Leicester game of course, we have had the following results. Uh, West Ham have lost, Bournemouth have lost, Villa drew, Norwich lost, Watford lost, Villa lost, Watford lost. Seven games our rivals have had uh, since we played against Leicester last week with one draw and six defeats to show for it. Wonderful stuff. Lovely jubbly. We have a couple of games coming up, also super important, we'll cover them at the end. Um, But as of right now, uh, pretty much every team below us has had a terrible start to Project Restart. Um, And for a lot of those teams, similarly to us, uh, those fixtures do do not get any better. Um, We are now getting towards the tail end of our horrible fixtures. Um, with just Liverpool and Manchester City to go, uh, we have you know we have six games to go, and of those six, two of them are left as horrible, horrible games. Um, the other four uh, are not too bad, with them being Norwich, Burnley, Southampton, and Newcastle. Um, we definitely have room for a couple of points there. Um, but there was a couple of points prior to the game uh, today that I wanted to discuss before we get in-depth into what's been going on uh, at the game at the Amex. Um, the disappointing game, I guess, um, but not altogether surprising. Uh, so things that had happened in the week between us seeing each other last. Um, a couple of rumor mills have begun cranking uh, for the transfer window. First one, uh, Ali Reza, am Baksh. Um, Not in the squad of 20 for the last few games. Uh, He has, first of all, just been reportedly to be unhappy. And then secondly, we started to hear reports that he was going to be heading to Ajax uh, in the summer. Although it is the summer. So I'm going to feel strange saying that. Um, I thought he was honestly one of the best players on the pitch uh, in recent games. Um, I think he's been a totally different player under Graham Potter. And I am quite surprised that he hasn't played more games since, you know, the beginning of 2020. When he has came on, or started since the beginning of 2020, I feel like he's created some pretty major chances and goals that other players simply haven't. Um, I see today uh, in the Argus that Graham Potter said that uh, some It was very cryptic. Uh, he basically said, some players who don't make the starting 20 or the squad of 20 sometimes are very close to the starting 11. And what I think he means by that is that Johan may Baksh may be training excellently um, and doing everything right, but right now he isn't the player that we want. And I'm wondering if it's because Potter would prefer a player to play more centrally. Um, and the reason I say that is just looking at the last two games and including today. Uh, you know, Pascal Gross, Aaron Moy, Trossard, Bissouma, Proper, McAllister, Connolly, Mopai, They're all players who prefer to play more centrally, right? And Ali Razor is not that that type of player. He's a winger. He's an out-and-out attacking winger. Um, I don't think it's... Wild to think that Potter is playing narrower um, due to the teams they are against to try and prevent the the kind of attacks that they can put together, like United did, unfortunately, in the game we played recently. Um, and is it going to be the case that somebody like Alirazzo may well be first in line versus Norwich? Uh, will he get his first start of the season, restart, against a team like Norwich, uh, who are on our level, you know? Or rather, a little bit... L- below hopefully if the points work out um only time will tell as the season rumbles on um you know it's going on at breakneck speed at this point um no nonsense no messing around so we'll see uh, my guess is that we will see aj on the bench minimum versus norwich and i would be surprised to see him in the 20 versus liverpool and manchester city if what i think potter is doing is what he is doing if he isn't then who knows because uh, at the same time, I'm also at a total loss on what uh, what starting 11 or 20 that Potter is going to announce anyway. And I know I'm not the only one. Uh, all of you feel the same way. So, yeah, we shall see. Um, ben White had another astounding game uh, for Leeds against Fulham this weekend. Uh, he essentially dominated Mitrovic, um, who then got a retrospective ban Um, And Mitrovic is someone we have generally uh, struggled with in the past. You know, we have been told uh, by just about everybody who will listen uh, that Ben White will not be a Brighton player next season. Um, Whether it's deluded Leeds fans uh, that think they're still the biggest club on earth, um, or generally just sports journalists that seem to forget the Brighton and Albion business model. Um, My thoughts is this. Uh, If we go down this season, they are spot on. Ben White will not be a Brighton player next season. However, if we remain a Premier League club, um, I fully believe he plays for Brighton next season. And I'll tell you why. They all seem to be forgetting several things here. Number one, he is currently an Albion player, under contract for at least another year. That's that. He is not a Leeds player. He is not a Liverpool player. He is an Albion player. Number two, we don't need to sell. We are a well-run club that won't bow down to the first big money offer we get, right? We've had rumors of Donkey getting the same thing. We turned down a Dale Stevens offer in the summer of the championship promotion season when we, you know, we could have took the money and ran. Um, We are not the team that is just going to bow down to the first big club with a big money figure. We are able to say no and push their price up. Number three, coronavirus and finances. This close season is going to be a very frugal one for almost every club, I am sure. Yes, FIFA have relaxed the uh, FFP situation. The financial fair play stuff has been relaxed for this transfer window. But I have no doubt in my mind that the coronavirus and COVID's overall impact on the finances here is going to play a big role. And there are going to be a lot of teams that normally would be in the line for Ben White that are not going to be paying that kind of money for a young English centre-half this close season. Which means, to me, he gets a year with Albion to play, show he can do it in the Premier League, and he's just tacked on another £20 to his price tag. Fine by me, don't see an issue with that. And number four, how he fits in. He tends to be a ball-playing centre-back. Shane Duffy, probably not going to be here when we start Game 1 next year, if we go up, if we stay up rather. Which means that Ben White will be a logical fill-in for that role. Um, I know that Duffy hasn't been playing lately. But that back three, uh, you would think that if we were going to revert to a back three more commonly, you would then look at that back three as Dunk, White, and Webster. Right? Seems like a common sense maneuver to me. So I think he fits in. To Potter's plans and I think he's someone that will be you know a a great player for us even if it's just for a season but I don't think he's going anywhere just yet so prior to the game today uh, Albion had won their last three top flight games against United uh, stretching to 1982 Uh, but this was not the United we had played in recent seasons strong fast unbeaten in 14 they're a very good side Um, And they weren't the side that had been in lots and lots of trouble organizationally in the past. Um, The home side has always won since we were promoted. No draws allowed in this game. Uh, And that was really, you know, the only real telltale signs we may have a good game. Uh, The rest, not so much. Um, United, seven clean sheets in 12, uh, as many as they had had in their previous 40 uh, Marcus Rashford, Rashford um, involved in 15 goals in his last 16 games, 11 goals and 4 assists from that. Uh, and Bruno Fernandes, who is arguably one of the best players in the world, uh, starting against the Albion, uh, was always going to be a problem. Not so much Paul Pogba, because he hates playing against us. Um, so first of all, let's talk about the lineup. Um, not sure what that decision was all about. We lined up with a four-four-two. Byrne at left back, Montoya at right back, Duncan Duffy at the back four. Um, and then we had Bissumer on the left, Lamptey on the right, Proper and Stevens in the middle, with McAllister and Connolly kind of in a line vertically. They were kind of just lined up back to back. It was very strange. Um, and we were punished for it. Basuma didn't look comfortable on the left. Lamptey didn't look comfortable so far up. Uh, It looked like he was, you know, trying to do his defensive role. Um, But on the attack, he just looked a little bit unsure of himself. Um, And Montoya didn't look like he knew what he was doing. Um, First half was just horrific. Uh, I'm going to cut this down into halves because I think that they were two very different ones. Um, In the first half, we were dominated. Uh, They had 69% possession. Nice. Uh, They had seven shots. With two of them being on target and two goals, we had two shots. Two. That was it. None on target, unsurprisingly. They also hit the post. Uh, they had a pass success rate of 88% compared to our 77%. And a lot of those players doing so were their defenders in our half. Uh, Lindelof, Matic, and Wambasaka were their kind of main pass creators. Um, and they were doing so within our half. Not good at all. They were matching us on the aerial battles today uh, in that first half um, with Maguire and Shaw and Lindelof essentially keeping Connolly totally out of the game. Uh, And they had two corners to our nothing. Uh, Not good. Not good at all. Um, We couldn't even keep the ball, honestly. Um, You know, we were a team that were dispossessed more often. We committed more fouls. We gave away less corners. We, you know, we just didn't do anything right. Um, it was a really poor performance and a first half to forget. Uh, Flashpoints: uh, Mason Greenwood's first goal thought that Matt Ryan could do better. Um, upon replaying that goal uh, from Ryan's perspective, uh, it was a very quick maneuver from Greenwood, um, and I can understand why it went in. Uh, second goal from Fernandez, uh, nasty deflection off of McAllister, I believe. Um, On a different day, Matt Ryan probably saves both of them, but today was not that day. Um, I thought Matt Ryan had a pretty poor day at the office for the most part uh, in that first half. And I think he could have done a little bit better to save them. Um, But it is what it is. Um, They started off really quickly, really well. And by 29 minutes, uh, Greenwood and Fernandez put them 2-0 up. Um, The second goal was a little bit controversial. Not that they didn't deserve to win, because they were by far the better team today and should have beat us. Uh, but two things. First of all was the offside. Um, I've seen different opinions online. One of them was that he was definitely offside, Luke Shaw, and the other one was definitely onside, right? Guess which fan said which. Um, but my thing is is that we didn't really see VAR. And I would have liked to have seen VAR's decision-making there. Um, we've never not seen it. I was very confused. Um, as to when they were doing an offside check as to why we weren't watching that in live real time like we always have done in the past um this is a this is a device that has been used with controversy all season um and you know has made some howling errors since project restart with Sheffield United and villa I'm kind of confused as to why we didn't get to see that information, Um, especially with everybody watching at home, where it's easier than ever to simply display the replay. Um, Bizarre. The other piece was that the ball was out of play when Greenwood made the run 32 seconds before the goal. Um, They said that it was not pulled back because 32 seconds is too long. Fine. Totally fine with it. No problem. My question is, is when is too long? Because if you're happy to spend four and a half minutes on VAR deciding whether a goal's a goal, but you're not happy to go back 32 seconds, what is it? We have to get some numbers around this stuff because it is so subjective right now that how can you trust, the, how can you have any faith in the system whatsoever? I don't. I don't have any faith in VAR. How can anybody have any faith in it when they are picking and choosing as and when this applies to them? And what the what the arbitrary numbers that need to be filled are. No one knows. I would love to know. It's very bizarre. Um, I'm not even bothered about losing, honestly. Well, of course I'm bothered. No one wants to lose. But I'm not bothered that we got beat because they were by far and away the better team. And they deserved it. I don't like conceding goals with that amount of miscommunication or lack of total lack of communication between them. Uh it feels dishonest and they've felt dishonest and shady since project restart. Um it feels like this is not being done in good faith and it's a little bit rough. Um that Sheffield Genoa goal was the worst thing I've seen in a long time. Third goal. Uh for that flashpoint there, uh not much to say about it really. Um we started out off the tra- out of the traps real quick. Thought we were doing really well. Um, and, you know, that first couple of minutes I sat there and thought, we would better not get hit on the counter-attack because they're really quick. And uh, they, you know, they can make a counter-attack just like Leicester City. Easy peasy. Um, and sure as shit, they hit us on the counter-attack. Crisp, beautiful response. The pace to come forward. Brilliant. Easy peasy. Good volley from Fernandez. Again, on another day, Matt Ryan saves that. But not today. 3 0, game over, job done. Next piece I want to talk about for flashpoints um, was Lewis Dunk being substituted off. Well done, Graham Potter. Thank goodness you did it. Uh, did not need him picking up an arbitrary yellow card in that final 10 minutes. Uh, so I'm definitely happy that we took uh, Lewis Dunk off there. My biggest thing is that we brought on Bernardo, though, um, and played him at centre half and kept Byrne at left back. What are we doing? What is going on here? Bernardo is a left-back. He's a very good left-back. Why, why are we playing him at centre-half and Burn continuing at left-back? Feels like Potter's just taking the piss at this point with that. It's so strange. I don't understand it. Um, so before we get on to the players, Potter, your starting 11 was strange. Um, I'm going to take it that this was a game with Norwich very much in mind, which now means we'd better win or get a result against Norwich. There's the pressure that you put on. My second thought is that if you're playing a team in this much form, probably not a good idea to put two players in roles that they have no real understanding of before the game. Um, Lamptey at right wing and Bissouma at left midfield, they both looked uncomfortable and it both showed, especially when we were being attacked. Um, Again, another learning opportunity for Graham. He has taken most of them and learnt well in the past. Uh, So I have faith that he'll continue to do the same. Um, And I'm very intrigued indeed to see what starting eleven rolls up to Norwich. Um, I'm expecting it to make a lot more sense, even though I probably couldn't guess it in a million years. So moving on to the players themselves. uh, In terms of who stood out today, honestly, not many of them. Uh, Bisuma, I thought, had a great game. Again, he is somebody that is just excellent. He's only, you know, 23 years old. He looked incredibly uh, uncomfortable on that left hand side, but he did everything he could um, to do, you know, defensively. He did better than anybody else in the entire game. Um, He came out with seven tackles. That's five more than anybody else in the team, with Dale Stevens in second place with two. Uh, He made three interceptions, joint most with Lewis Dunk. Um, And he went about and just. Played a, played a really solid game from an offensive and ball-keeping point of view. Uh, he just looked incredibly, incredibly uncomfortable uh, in that back line there on that left midfield. Um, he also had a fantastic pass accuracy rate, 88.9%. Uh, only Shane Duffy had better uh, for players who came on. Um, and I thought that generally, you know, I was surprised he stayed on the pitch the entire time. Uh, Basuma is someone I probably would have liked to have seen come off and got a bit of a rest... Uh, because he's so important. You know, I don't want him to be getting injured early. Uh, He's too important to lose. So it was a little bit of a worry, um, but it is what it is. So hopefully we can uh, see him getting back to his best. Uh, I thought Duffy had a pretty good game today, actually. Uh, Solid, didn't do anything particularly wrong. Um, Thought he was all right. Thought he did a good job. Uh, I thought Trossard was exceptional in the second half um you know I know that United sat back um big time and just kind of took their foot off of the accelerator a little bit um which is why I didn't cover the second half of match stats um because it was essentially just Manchester United laying off the gas and us playing a little bit better but it feels like they just let us do it so it's not really worth covering to me um the other piece there uh, was Dale Stevens thought he was okay today? He worries me with his position. I don't know whether he's lost a yard of pace or whether he is just not in the game at all anymore. Um, but he looked out of position almost every time they came on the attack, and that worries me. It feels like he. So usually, whenever he comes to get the ball, he's either he's either shuttling right like left to right to sweep the ball, or he is approaching the player from the front today. And the other day when he came on, I feel like he's chasing them from behind. I feel like he's half a yard off, and they get the step on him, and he's having to recoup ground. And Dale Stevens has never been the cleanest tackler in the world. So when Dale Stevens is running at them from behind, it's terrifying for me to watch. Not good at all. Um... Another, another one to point out, disappointing, David Proper. Uh, I thought he was very poor today. I don't think he felt comfortable uh, with the job he was asked to do to cover Basuma in that left-hand side. It felt very unnatural for him. It looked unnatural for him. Um, and the less said about it, the better. He only had 45 minutes today. Same for Lamptey. Um, I'm hoping that means that they will both start at the weekend uh, and look a lot better in a more familiar role. Um, but we shall see. And the final one I want to hit on is Aaron Connolly. Uh, that first half, he was on an absolute highway to nowhere, wasn't he? Uh, I thought he played incredibly poorly um, because he was given a poor job to do. Uh, he was essentially given the Chris Hughton, Glenn Murray role away from home. Um, and that was really to just harass the defenders as much as possible with balls being pumped up long as fast as, or as hard as possible. Um, never a game style that's going to suit him. Uh, you know he isn't. He hasn't even got Murray's size to help him. Uh, so I thought he was, you know, as ineffective as you would expect in that role. Second half, thought he was a lot better. Um, he was in a spot that suits him more. He had Trossard on. He had Mopai on. He had Basuma running in from deep. He had McAllister on from deep. Uh, I thought he was a lot better, um, and I was a lot happier with his contribution in the second half. And you know, there are times when I think he, he shouldn't be starting and he isn't ready, and then there's times when he puts in a performance like the second half and he looks a lot better. So it's tough with him. Um you know, I thought he was it was a total 50-50 game, pretty much just like it was for the entirety of the team. Um, but we shall see how we uh how we adapt and overcome the uh, the defeat today. Um I'm glad we s- finished the game on a high. Uh, we probably should have scored twice. Trossard missed two. Good opportunities. I think he could have learned a lot better with both of them. Um, One of them absolutely should have been scored. That ball that came over uh, from the free kick that was just skewed wide. Should have been a goal, in my opinion. Would have helped our goal difference back again, but it is what it is. Um, But Norwich now at the weekend is vital. There is not a more important game in our season. Um, Yes, we have a couple of easy games coming up after that uh, in terms of the end of the season um, with Southampton, Newcastle and Burnley. All teams that are likely to have nothing at all to play for. Uh, But the fact of the matter is Norwich are fighting for their lives right now. And although they have looked uninspired uh, of late, especially, um, you know, they're a team that you can't. Help, but be concerned about. Uh, their home form is a lot better than their away form. Uh, they played 16 games at home with 19 goals, as opposed to their away form, which is 15 games with six goals. This is a team uh, that are a lot better at home. Um, and the last time we went to Norwich, needing a good result, we all know how that went. So, a couple of players for to look out there, look out for over there. Obviously, Todd Cantwell if he starts. Um, great player. Uh, Max Ahrens, if he starts, uh, he has an injury worry and probably isn't going to be starting in his next game against Arsenal. Uh, and Brandia, um and Duda, who have both been pretty solid uh, attacking midfielders for them. Um, this is a game that is super important for us. We have an extra day's rest, um, as well as not having played an FA Cup game. Uh, so they will have played. Norwich played on the 24th of June against Everton and lost. They played on the 27th of June and went 120 minutes and lost. And now they're going to be playing tomorrow against Arsenal at Arsenal, which is not a small trip to make. Uh, and if they can lose there too, um, you know, that would be a great result for us to go in there and hurt them on the uh, on the confidence stakes. So we shall see. Um, in terms of containing them, doing what we can do to beat them, uh, the only real strength they have... Um, when you watch them, and I don't know if you've spent much time watching Arsenal, uh, Norwich, of course, um, is that they are pretty solid on the break. Um, they can create quite a few chances using through balls uh, to Cantwell to uh, pook and it's a you know it's a it's a game plan that's probably going to work pretty well uh, against a team like Arsenal who are prone to that kind of attack. Um, and I'm 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 intrigued just to see how Brighton will line up. Um, they like to take a lot of long shots, short passes, non-aggressive playing in their own half. They have a pretty consistent first eleven so far this season. Um, there shouldn't be too many surprises being sprung by Norwich, um, and they have a lot of exploits. Right, they can't score, they can't defend against long shots, they can't help but give away fouls in dangerous areas. Defending counterattacks, defending set pieces, stopping opponents from creating set chance, set pieces, uh, aerial jewels, defending against those skilled players that we have, uh, defending against attacks down the wings. Norwich have a crap ton of weaknesses, and if we can't come away there with a win, um, I think we've really let ourselves down. Uh, their last win that they had um, was against Leicester at home, where they won 1-0. Um, and in that game, back in February, uh, you know, this is not something that happens very often. So we need to make sure that we snuff this shit out. Do not allow them to get ahead. Do not allow them to win. It's also worth noting that that was also a Jamie Vardiless Leicester City uh, that looked incredibly poor. Um, so, you know, I think that that's not really the norm. And if Arsenal can beat them tomorrow, I'm, I'm very confident that we can go there and get a decent result. Uh, the only problem is is Norwich have a couple of games after that that play well against us. Uh, they then play Watford and West Ham back-to-back after us. So that is probably six points going to Watford and West Ham. So in order for us to continue staying ahead of these people, we need to beat them real bad. So Saturday morning over here, 7.30 Eastern Time, uh, 12.30 PM British Summertime uh, is the name of the game. Um, so we shall see what goes on on Saturday, new episode Sunday, as always, uh, straight after the game. So yeah, have a good rest of your week. Uh, those of you who are in the U S enjoy your 4th of July weekend stuff. Um, I get a day off Friday, so that was great. I love that. Love to see it. Um, but yeah, onwards and upwards, a couple of games to look at this weekend, this week, get a couple of good results, go our way, and uh, we will shrug off this United result very quickly indeed. Have a good one and be safe.